and welcome to another episode of Friday Formula. Today we'll be coming into the pits to pull the plastic sandwich wrapper out of our brake ducts before charging head-on into the week's latest motorsport news. I'm Owen Bellwood and I'm once again joined by the wonderful Will Longman. How are you doing this week, Will? I'm good. The sun is out, spring is here, F1 is back and I'm looking forward to spending the next 40 minutes talking to you about track limits. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good time to be a Formula One fan, isn't it? While we can bask in the kind of glory of having a great first race, I just hope that it doesn't set us up for a disappointing season. Like, it should be epic. On the basis of that, it should be epic. But what would be classic F1 is now to have the best race of the season as race one, and then everything else just peter along. What did you think of the race yesterday? Oh, it was uh, it was excellent. Didn't have massively high hopes going in, because you always sort of assume it's not going to be as dramatic as you build it up in your mind. But it was a great season opener. There were plenty of Really good racing between rivals and teammates, lots of overtakes, a nice mix of different people and different strategies, and dare I say a slightly unpredictable winner? Uh, they weren't the favourite. Let's say they weren't the favourite. They weren't the underdog, but they definitely weren't the favourite going into it. But yeah, it was an action-packed race. And like on the side of texting you kind of about the race and what was going on, um, I was actually texting a friend of mine who I introduced to Formula One a couple of years ago. And so I was quite, it was quite nice to hear that he had tuned in by his own volition to watch the first uh, race. Yeah, that is good to hear. And then I think to get that much action and a battle for the lead at the end is exactly what you'd want from, for like a new fan of F1. That's the kind of race that will draw you in. And it's the kind of race that old fans also enjoy. Even though... It was Hamilton for Staff and Bottas, one, two, three. I think it's now one of the most popular podium trios of all time. But I wasn't disappointed to see those three on it again, because the race was pretty exciting anyway. Yes, and what was nice was to see the reaction of the Mercedes garage. Because so many times last year, it had been, oh, and the mechanics go absolutely mild for Mercedes winning. Like, they didn't care. It was good. Job well done. Yes, handshakes. Well done. Well done. But, like, the pure joy on Toto Wolf's face and the relief was like something else. Yeah. Should we crack into what we're going to talk about the race? Yes. So, we're going to talk through all the drivers in the order that they crossed the line and discuss whether anyone was surprisingly excellent, anyone was slightly disappointing, who had the overtake of the race. And just sort of a general discussion of the 2021 Bahrain Grand Prix. So we start with first place, Lewis Hamilton, who I think we can couple with the second place driver of Max Verstappen. Yes, because it was a very close fight between them. I think it was 0.7 seconds between them at the end of the race. So just a little bit longer and he would have had him. But that... That doesn't really tell the story, does it? Because Max Max overtook him. He overtook him. He did do it. He did. But it was off the racetrack. Okay, yeah. So, what side of the fence do you sit on here? Because the line that Max Verstappen took for that overtake 
was the same line that Lewis Hamilton took on 26 of the 56 laps. If he gains a tenth every time he does that, then he gains 2.6 seconds in time. And like you just said, he lost to Max Verstappen by seven tenths. Yeah, I mean, the main point is that it's slightly ridiculous that there's a different track for qualifying as the race. But it's because it feels like he had extra space to go around the outside that you wouldn't have had if it was like a grass verge or something. So I'm, I'm on the side that it was an advantage to overtake there. So he was right to give the place back. But there should have been penalties further back for everyone else. I think him giving the place back was the right thing to do. Because if he hadn't, then everyone would have been arguing and bickering about it for ages afterwards. And the decision would have been with the stewards after the race and then would have had the podium. But no one would have known if it was actually the podium. And it just would have painted that first race back. Yeah, we didn't want to have, after such a great race, go to the podium and not know what the result was. Especially if Max had done what he wanted to do and made up five seconds in a lap and a half, I think is what he thought he was going to be able to do. And I think if you were the stewards in that case, you would have probably said, well, you've ignored what we asked you to do. So the penalty is going to be harsher. But track limits aside, the race in between Lewis and Max was very exciting throughout. It was always, will he, won't he, will he put at the right time, won't he put at the right time, is Lewis on the right tyres, is Max on the right tyres? And it was a nice mix of on-track battles and strategy that made that exciting, which I feel like we've not had that mix for quite a while. No, absolutely right. Being able to see the strategies play out Uh, like I said I was texting John who's a relative kind of newbie and he was saying it's very difficult to tell because it was a three-stop race as well rather than just a kind of simple one-stop it was difficult to tell where the drivers were relatively and I kind of said yeah but it'll be interesting to see how it will play out in the end Mm. and with Hamilton and Verstappen on different strategies seeing them come together towards the last few laps And I think Max had like an eight second gap with 15 laps to go, which you could just see him get down quicker and quicker and quicker lap by lap. It showcased how tactically F1 can be brilliant. And then you got to see the actual battling and the defending and the moves at the the end of the race as like the big finale. It was also nice to see, we're quite used to Red Bull pulling an early stop to try and mix things up in the race. But I feel like this was the first time for a long time where Mercedes have been the one to pit first and they've been the team to kind of force the hand because they knew they were starting slightly on the back foot. And it'll be nice to see the tactical battle not be a Mercedes pit wall tactical battle between Valtteri and Lewis. And it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on, will Lewis have to put a bit more trust in Bono Mm. when, you know, we've seen before he's called in to go to the pits and says, nope, don't run me off like I'm on this. Between Lewis and Max, who did you think was the better driver of the weekend? Well, it's tricky because Lewis forced Max into an error by going off the track at the only opportunity he thought he had to overtake him. But then over the weekend, Max beat Lewis by like three, four tenths in qualifying. That Red Bull looks so quick on track. It's just so planted, so stable. They just... Both him and Perez just look like they've got so much confidence driving around a track. Well, yeah, let's see Perez start from the grid rather than the pit lane and see what he can do in it as well. Yeah. (laughs) Because I think 
we're at risk of having like this two-tier battle for the championship where you've got Hamilton and Verstappen going for the big points and for the drivers' championship. But then there's a lot to play for in those third and fourth positions. And it could be between Bottas and Perez. And that could be equally as important. Mm. It'll be nice to see a little bit more at play across the rest of the grid. Talking of the rest of the grid, who came in third place? So good old Valtteri Bottas, the Finn, finished in third. Got the point for fastest lap for good measure. He had a snuffed pit stop that took eight seconds longer than it should have. Do you think if he hadn't have done that, he'd have been up there for second? Not sure. It maybe would have been the case that he'd have given a little bit more defence for Lewis to kind of secure his lead a bit more. But I just think from the performance that Max was doing all weekend, I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd caught up with him and then just sailed past him. <laughs> so it was like, obviously nice for him to come third, but there wasn't really any moments that blew me away. There were moments in the race where it looked like Valtteri was sort of falling back from Lewis and Max at the front. His gap between them went up a little bit and then it looked like Lando was beginning to catch on to the back of Valtteri and was eating into that lead a little bit. But then the engineers came over the radio and basically told him to get a hurry on. They brought a radio up on the graphic but didn't kind of play it where Toto told Valtteri he did the the good old hunt him down Valtteri. Mm. And like they're not playing games anymore. Like they need him to hunt down Max. They need yeah. him to get those front row lockouts that they've been getting so consistently over the years because they need to stop Max coming through at the first corner, which he yeah. will do if he qualifies in third. Well, if we move on to our driver in fourth, then we can talk about Sergio Perez quite soon after that. So our driver in fourth was Lando Norris. Qualified seventh and came in fourth. And showed that he's the big boy at McLaren at the moment. Yeah, it all came down to his blinding start, really, didn't it? Just launched off the line, overtook his teammate pretty much straight away. Had a few tidy little tussles with Carlos through the race and just stamped his name on the McLaren team. So it was excellent to see. He was lucky to get that overtake on Daniel Dunn into turn 11 on lap one just before the safety car came out because that could have completely kind of changed his race and all of a sudden it becomes really difficult to overtake again. But yeah, had some great battles with the Ferrari. I don't know if you saw, but he actually overtook Charles off the track at turn four and then gave the place back straight away and then overtook him again. That's how you do it, Max. But yeah, it was a nice overtake on Charles. He had a pretty tidy race and he put his car where McLaren need it, sweeping up the points if anything happens to those top two teams. That's how you win midfield battles. I was very impressed with Lando. It was obviously a shame for him that Daniel out-qualified him, but then he just proved in the race that he's got what it takes. And it was really nice to see he ended up setting a faster, fastest lap than Daniel in the race as well. It was like 0.6 of a second ahead. So he just seems very, very comfortable in that car and now very comfortable as a racing driver. So it was just great to see that progression that he's made year on year. He might even be able to go full-time F1 driver and leave the twitching to one side. Who knows? Someone who has been a full-time Formula 1 driver for pushing a decade now, uh, Sergio Perez, at now the height of his career, you could say, the biggest chance he's got. And it was horrendous, wasn't it, really? At the start, it was looking terrible. (laughs) 
There's a shocker. So it was an electrical issue in the formation lap, wasn't it? Yeah, all of his electronics cut out on turn 13, 14. And honestly, my heart has not dropped like it did when you see the sight of Sergio Perez pull over before the race has even started. It was just an absolute nightmare. So they ended up doing another formation lap while they managed to get Perez's car started again. And he had to start in the pits. But then he did get going. And what a race. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he really benefited from that early safety car to make up those seconds that he'd lost. All that lost ground. But this is what Red Bull won. If you had Pierre Gasly or Alex Albon in the car when all the electronics cut out on your debut for the team, do you Mm. want someone that's going to panic possibly a little bit? Or a cool, calm head that just gets his head down, gets the job done. And that's what he did up to fifth place. Yeah, I was so impressed by what he managed in the end. I didn't seem to see a whole host of his moves on TV, but you could just see him inching his way up, inching his way up, and it was it was just fantastic. There is a question mark, though. He didn't get out of Q2. No, but there was only like a second between everyone in Q2. There was... Although he went out on mediums for his first run, it wasn't quick enough. And he kept the same pair of mediums on. He kept the Mm. same set of mediums on for his second run. And if you're in trouble, I think you have to say, screw the strategy, track position, when it could be six or seven places on the grid is more important. Let's get the softs on and let's just get into Q3. Maybe he wanted the challenge. He was like, I'll start 15th. I got this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, imagine what could have happened if he'd actually got through and started third or fourth. Well, imagine if he'd started 15th instead of 20th. He would have won. (laughs) Still five places more. (laughs) Here, good stat for you. Do you remember the last time a Red Bull second driver had a first race with the team, started last and ended up coming fifth? No. Belgium 2019, Alex Albon. Does this mean Perez is going to get fired at the end of the year? (laughs) It means there really is something mythical about that second seat at Red Bull. Spooky. You'll have to keep these stats up and we'll compare like first, second, third, fourth, fifth races. No, I think we'll run out of races from Alex Albon quite quickly as well. But makes his DTM debut this week. Might actually be a reason to watch German racing. And what's going to be interesting at the DTM is that Alex is going to be driving a Ferrari. But do you know who else drives a Ferrari? Charles Leclerc. <laughs> Glorious segue, absolutely amazing. Charles Leclerc qualified fourth, ended up sixth. So even though he lost two places in the race, it was a pretty good showing. It was pretty exciting for both Ferraris, really. There was some nice racing on track. It was great to see them fighting for decent points rather than just fighting for a point, which is sort of all we saw last year. Yeah, I think they've proved that they've taken a massive leap and they are going to be in competition with McLaren at the front of that midfield pack. Um, The engines come on great. The thing about Charles Leclerc is that even in last year's Ferrari, he had some brilliant qualifying performances. So who knows what he could do this year. He had some great battles with Lando. He did lose out in the end. But it will be great to see, especially given he was the first in a Ferrari, McLaren, Ferrari in the finishing order, how this battle progresses. Because you have Lando and Charles, who are 
the drivers that have been at their teams for a couple of years now, followed by Danny Rick, who qualified in sixth, finished seventh, and Carlos Sainz, who qualified eighth, finished eighth. So the two newbies to their teams coming in directly behind Charles. Yeah, and as the two of them get used to their new cars, I feel like that's going to end up being quite a spicy four-way scrap as the weeks go on. But like you said, with the the engine step forward that the team have made, I feel like not many people were expecting it to be such a big step forward. So it was a really, real nice surprise to see them up there taking the challenge to the midfield teams and being able to fight for that fourth, fifth, sixth place in the end. And what was really nice about the Ferrari as well is that the engine gains they made seemed to have trickled down into Alfa Romeo. So Charles finished in sixth and as we mentioned in the Ferrari sandwich just behind him was Daniel Ricciardo on his race debut for McLaren. How did you think he went? Fine. I think he would have been gutted to have been overtaken by Lando on lap one. But you don't really want to get your elbows out with your new teammate when you're not even a lap round, do you? Yeah. <laughs> I think Lando had more to prove than Daniel did in that occasion. He held off a late charge from Carlos Sainz at the end of the race. Um, Sainz was getting pretty close. I think there was a second between them when they crossed the line. But other than that, you know, it was a great first qualifying session. He qualified in sixth. Um, which is where you'd want the McLaren. You'd want them fifth and sixth um, if they're going to head up that that midfield. It's just going to take him a little bit of time to get to get used to that car and the race pace. I think. What about you? Yeah. Um. The interesting thing I heard him say over the weekend when it was that it's the braking points that he's struggling to get used to, and there are a few graphics comparing his and Lando's speeds in some of the corners. He was consistently braking earlier slowing down slower and then Lando was getting on the power much quicker afterwards and that's where he was losing time. So I think it was a pleasant surprise to see him out-qualify Lando but I guess just over the course of 56 laps he just lacked that little bit of pace and like I said earlier he was slightly slower than Lando in his fastest lap but I think this is all things that are pretty expected on your first race at a new team, a new team that's getting used to a new engine and it's something that he's only going to improve on from here yeah it's quite exciting to see how much they'll be able to close the gap on whoever is in second place by the end of the season I think Um, especially with someone of Daniel's experience Um, that AWS graphic by the way is I think the best contribution they've made to the whole F1 broadcast speaking of AWS it was a wicked showing from Carlos Sainz, who came in eighth place. Carlos came in eighth, qualified eighth. Again, I think it's the same as Daniel. He had a pretty good race. Um, let's see him get up to speed. Ferrari made great gains. If he can get to the same level that Charles is at with that car, then they could be on for a really good year. Yeah, I think it's definitely made that fight for third in the constructors seem like it's going to be almost as hotly contested as first in the constructors which is great to see. I think if I was making my debut for Ferrari <laughs> and I'd qualified eighth and finished eighth, I'd be pretty happy with that. I think overall he had a good performance and he also had the overtake of the race, which was kind of first half when he had both Seb and Alonso 
in the space of about one corner. It was, I was just beautiful. And then you had Seb come back through on Alonso, didn't you, in, in turn four as well. That was battles we want to see all over the track finally happening, you know? It was intense. It was just so great to see how they'd cut from a battle at the front and then just a Carlos swooping through and Seb coming back. It was exactly what we want from the year and hopefully it will be the first of many. One thing I did glean from that moment is that Crofty in the commentary box is going to spend a lot of his time trying to calculate how many world championships the drivers battling have got between them. There's a lot of champions on the grid, isn't there? One thing I would say about Ferrari is they did have a brilliant Q2, but they qualified on the softs, whereas the Mercs, the Red Bulls and the McLarens went out on the mediums. So they were part of this sandwich with um, Daniel Ricciardo in the middle on a worse strategy. So if they can go out and have a bit more faith and can qualify into Q3 on the mediums, then they might actually look a little bit better if the strategy goes their way when it comes to race day. So if Carlos had a great first race for Ferrari, something you should be proud of, our ninth place finisher just had a great first race in general. It was one young Yuki Tsunoda. Highlight of the weekend for me. What, just his performance or was a one set moment that was a highlight? Just the whole package. I love him. He's so great. And just how he's not afraid to lunge down the inside at the last minute on people like Lance Stroll. I think he did the same on Kimi Raikkonen. It was wonderful to see. It was the one on Lance Stroll that a lot of people, myself included, didn't see until after the race had finished because, again, they were focusing on, on the battle, rightly so, between Lewis and Max. What a brave move. And then to go so deep into the corner but still get that car turned and on the traction quick enough. What helped him out? was that he was so far behind Lance, he still got DRS in the second straight because he crossed the line, that line after Lance. It was incredible. It was just so great to see a young driver just come in and not be afraid to make these crazy moves. Like, he's had four days in that car by then. He's got that confidence to just be like, yeah, I got this, and going straight into the corner. Uh, so that was really amazing to see. And I think qualified 13th. So to get a few places up on that, finish in the points, points on his debut, that's got to be one happy chap. Yeah, given the, his anger levels in FP1 when he was stuck up in traffic, <laughs> I think he'll be very happy. I think there's a lot more to come from him. He looks like a, a really handy driver. And I think, right, we're only one race in to his F1 career. But Sergio Perez is on a one-year contract. What if Yuki Tsunoda gets to Red Bull next year? Do you think it could happen? Probably. That's all I want to know. Thank you. (laughs) They love promoting someone when they're too young to be in that team. (laughs) Yeah, as long as they don't ruin his career. Yeah. He just seems like such a talent, though. It's so amazing to see him in Formula 1 after such a quick trajectory through all the junior series. While it's been a stroll in the park for Sonoda through those junior series, Lance Stroll came in right behind him after that last lap overtake in 10th place. Qualified 10th, finished 10th, meh. It's just not lived up to the hype, has it? And I say that wearing a Lance Stroll hat. (laughs) Um, 
yeah, it was just a bit of a shame for Aston Martin, wasn't it? Not quick enough. Obviously, Seb didn't make it into Q3. Lance did. So, good for him. But then, just doesn't... It's not as exciting to watch as the racing point was last year. So whatever's happened at the floor of the car has obviously hit them a lot more than some other teams. But I don't really remember seeing much of Lance over the weekend. He was just sort of there. Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing a much quiet race for a, what was a bit of a damp squib for Aston Martin. What I did enjoy was Omar Safanauer was in the paddock with a big file which showed why the reg changes to the floors have affected the low-rate cars more than the high-rate cars. And I don't think you get to complain when the rules have been changed to make the field closer, so the fastest cars are a little bit closer to everyone else, and you just copied them. Yeah, especially because up till 2019, they had a high-rate car. <laughs> yeah. So it seems a bit nuts. Um, but hopefully... Now that they've got the infrastructure and the investment behind them, they'll make some strides in the coming weeks. But no, so that's that's the top ten. If you were to pick a driver of the race from those, who would be your, your number one? I want to say Yuki Tsunoda, because it was an incredible first drive. But you don't... You have to be treated equally, I think, with all the other drivers. It's driver of the race, right? Not driver of your career if that makes sense so I think I think Perez to go from last on the grid to fifth I would 100% agree I think he had an unfortunate start but then made up for it and that was exactly what everyone wanted to see Perez charging through the field so that was the top 10 for the bottom 10 finishers we're gonna take it in turns to have a sentence to describe their race so Will, kick us off with 11th place finisher, Kimi Raikkonen. Actually seemed passionate about racing this season. Your turn. Qualified 12th, finished 12th, Antonio Giovinazzi. Surprisingly racy at times. And for you, Esteban Ocon. All I could think of were those new Alpine adverts where it's him driving a car and it just says, go straight the entire time. Qualified 15th, finished 14th, George Russell. An ambitious points finish was not to be. Ah, that sounds like a limerick nearly. 15th place, Sebastian Vettel. Oh no. That's all I've got written down. Qualified in 19th, finished 16th and back of the pack on track, Mick Schumacher. Wrestled it round to a clean finish. Unfortunate start for... Pierre Gasly, how would you describe his race? Got carried away at the start, ruined his race. He retired, didn't he? Which is not what anyone wants. No, neither would the Williams of Nicholas Latifi. Solid pace, unfortunate end. Uh, Another DNF, Fernando Alonso. Solid comeback, ruined by a sandwich wrapper. And then, last place... Would have started in last had it not been for penalties. Hasses Nikita Mazepin. The fourth shortest debut since 1993. Enough said. That was the Bahrain Grand Prix. <laughs> so that was our look back at the 2021 Bahrain Grand Prix. How did you find it? Did you think it was as exciting and as spicy as we did? 
We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can let us know on Twitter. I am at Owen Bellwood and Will can be found at... At Will Longman. So let us know how you found the race. We've also kicked off a Fantasy Formula One league. So if you would like to see how your driver picks compared to ours, the code to join that will be in the episode description. So all that's left to say is thank you again so much for listening to us this week. And we will be back next week talking about the races that got us into F1. So we hope you can join us then. Thank you again. Goodbye. Bye.